Welcome to Fresh Takes on Tech. I'm your host, Bonnie Estes, Vice President of Innovation for the International Fresh Produce Association. On the podcast, we get to hear from people that are shaping the produce industry with solutions to our biggest problems. Join me as we uncover the opportunities and advancements shaping the future of produce through a tech lens. Welcome to Fresh Takes on Tech, where insight meets innovation. Hello, and welcome to Fresh Takes on Tech. We are continuing our session on climate smart agriculture with a conversation with Susie Friedman from World Wildlife Fund. Susie is the Senior Director of Food Policy, serving as Policy Lead for FFW U.S. Food Team, collaboratively developing policy goals and engaging strategic partnerships to advance the priorities on sustainable food systems. Welcome to the show, Susie. It's great to have you. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Great. So let's jump right in here. So can you start by defining what are FFW sustainability commitments in the context of addressing climate change and environmental concerns? And how does that kind of tie into Climate Smart Ag? Sure. Um, So World Wildlife Fund's overall mission is to conserve nature and reduce the most pressing threats to diversity of life on Earth. So food and agriculture and Climate Smart Ag are central to our work. Food and agriculture are central to how we live and how we interact with each other and how we manage our landscapes, as well as culture and tradition. So our ability to continue to feed ourselves depends on healthy and functioning ecosystems and biodiversity. But food and agriculture are also some of the most significant drivers of climate change and biodiversity Mm -hmm. loss. We already use 40% of our arable land for agriculture. Agriculture is the leading cause of deforestation and grassland conversion as well as the cause of about one-third of global greenhouse gas emissions. And conservation efforts alone can't stop biodiversity loss or slow climate change. So to make meaningful progress on climate change and biodiversity loss, we need to make our food and agriculture systems nature and climate positive in ways that enable us to meet the levels of productivity, to meet human health and nutritional needs of growing populations, and support the livelihoods of those producing those foods. So I say all of this because Climate Smart Ag and our goals for that are are central to all of this. And WWS Food Team has set some goals for 2030 that have Climate Smart Agriculture embedded and front and center in all of them. So I'll just quickly go through of them. Yeah, that'd be great. I was just going to ask, what are they? (laughs) Achieve zero deforestation and zero conversion of critical habitat, including grasslands, savannas, wetlands from commodity expansion. What are the dates of these? Oh, by 2030. By 2030. These are are the goals that we would like to achieve by 2030. So that zero deforestation and, and conversion of critical habitat from commodity expansion. Second, ensure that regenerative and resilient agroecosystems produce enough food to nourish everyone in the world. Have the footprint of agricultural food systems by shifting to circular approaches and aligning consumption and demand with nutritional needs. And finally, fourth, ensure indigenous peoples and local communities are empowered to determine their conservation future and have access to the diversity of agricultural system and healthy, culturally appropriate food. So big goals, very ambitious, but those are the goals. And as you can see, Climate Smart Ag is very much a part of that. So how? one of the things that's been kind of a challenge in these conversations I've been having is just sustainability and climate smart and regenerative 
how do you think about the differences in the same and, you know, are they the same and do you break them apart in any way? So for us, Climate Smart Ag is one part of a larger system. And Climate Smart Agriculture, if done effectively, benefits the climate by definition. But we need to also address the other parts of resilience and nature and people's needs that are really important. So biodiversity, wildlife, water, and the environment. So Climate Smart Ag needs to be part of that system and that comprehensive strategic approach that advances these broader, more inclusive benefits. So Climate Smart Ag needs to be front and center addressing climate needs, reducing emissions, increasing sequestration, advancing mitigation and adaptation front and center. But Climate Smart Ag doesn't necessarily address those other needs. Sometimes it does, but it doesn't always. So we need to be very systematic and thoughtful about how we advance this to make sure that we're advancing an approach that really looks across those broader system needs. And for us, that's what regenerative agriculture really is. Mm. It's that climate smart plus nature approach. That is such a great explanation. That's the best I've ever heard because I stumble over that too when people ask me, but that is, it's what we're focusing on a lot, you know, in our program and with our grant with the USDA, but I can really see, especially an organization like yours, it, it fits into this bigger picture. Can you share some of the successful examples or case studies, uh, Climate Smart or Bigger, wherever you want to jump into it, initiatives yeah. or projects that have made a significant impact? Sure. There are two that I would love to highlight. One, WWF launched what we call the Ranching System and Viability Planning, RSVP, program in 2020 partnering with ranchers across the northern Great Plains, which is one of the few remaining intact temperate grasslands in the world. So a really important ecosystem to protect. And this program helps ranchers develop conservation projects and enhance their ranch management skills by providing them with access to technical specialists and continuing education. And it's really an example of climate-smart regenerative agriculture supporting rotational grazing that benefits carbon storage and sequestration, as well as benefits to water, biodiversity, and system resilience, and focuses on the management, on the financial, on the technical assistance that the ranchers need to really be successful for the long term and collecting the data to really track progress over time. So that's one project that I really want to highlight. A second is WWF has prioritized, as I mentioned earlier, making food systems efficient and circular so that we can have per capita global food waste among retailers and consumers and reduce food losses along production and supply chains, including post-harvest losses on farms. And by regularly measuring loss, growers can better understand the quality and quantity of what is being left behind in the field and why. And that data can then be used to partner with distributors and buyers and develop new commercial opportunities to more fully utilize all of the product being raised to the point of maturity on farm. And this just has very significant economic opportunities and environmental opportunities It's really valuable for the farmers and for the value chain. And to advance this, WWF has partnered with Cascade Agroecology and producers of wheat, apples, and leafy greens and bananas to collect the primary data on financial and environmental impacts of their regenerative practices in addition to loss measurement using a new global farm loss tool. 
And then we'll use this data to build a business case for the purpose of helping the wider marketplace of growers and buyers to better understand the costs and benefits of the transition to regenerative production for growers and how that transition will impact yield and loss and how to advance the drivers of change to make it beneficial across the system. And we'll have this public business case ready to be launched in about a year. What I love about that is how much metrics are embedded in all of it. And so that's, it's, cause that's, we have to start measuring this stuff to be able to say that we're making an impact, right? It's huge. The measurement is huge and really unlocks so many opportunities to make changes and see where those opportunities are and what the economics are. And big programs like that, how, is it a collaboration how do they come about and how long do they usually take? And do you lead? Sometimes you lead, sometimes you're a member. Like, how does that work? That that's, sounds like that's mostly your role. So. <laughs> yeah. And I would say it, it depends. Yeah. Um, and we've been in all those different roles. And I would say sometimes projects can be very quick to get off the ground. Sometimes they are years in the making. Sometimes we are really in a lead role in getting them going and pulling the partners together. And other times we're one of those partners that's brought to the table and we're ready and willing to play all of those roles. And really it's just, you know, what are the, we're just constantly looking for what are the initiatives that can advance the outcomes that are really going to make a difference. But I will say across all of them, that measurement piece is critical because that's the only way we really know is this going to make a difference towards those outcomes that we all share. All right. So I think the metrics and, and around measurement is certainly one way that technology and innovation play a role, but what are some other practices that you see where technology and innovation are, are playing an important role? So certainly, I think, as you point out, with measurement, that is certainly a place where innovation and technology play a key role, but I think they're just there, there are so many ways that innovation and technology can play in that space because it's not just collecting the data and the innovations and in how that data can be collected, but then how do you analyze and interpret the data and bring it back to whether it's the growers or the distributors or players along the supply chain so that that data can become really useful, whether it's going to become useful in terms of where am I, where do I have crop losses and how can I minimize that? What are the technologies that can help me minimize that loss, whether it's changes in my, how I harvest or changes in how I store that produce or whatever that crop is, or changes in how I can map my fields to understand fertility and use my inputs more efficiently. So they're just all different ways to be able to gather that data, whether it's remotely or collecting it from the soil and how can that be done and then interpret it and bring it back to a farmer in a very useful way. Because in so many cases, that is so time and labor intensive. And the more we can make that quick and easy, the more we can advance these solutions. So that's just an area that we've been making and kind of the the sector has been making a lot of progress, but we still have a long way to go. 
Is there a way that you engage in trying to find those technologies or do they come to you or is that kind of different parts of the program that you're not touching as much as far as actually finding those solutions? Yeah, no, I would say it is both. So policy definitely has a big role to play in terms of making sure that we are investing in the research, investing in making sure that universities and researchers have access to the resources they need to advance their work, that there are grant opportunities to explore these technologies and make further improvement, that it is an area of emphasis for USDA and for other agencies that play in this space. So policy plays a big role, I think, I know, in making sure that this is something that we're investing in and elevating as something that is very important. And then WWF is definitely collaborating to advance this space, whether it is working in our projects with our partners to develop things like the farm loss tool, working with partners to make that a reality, working in collaborations to develop different protocols for to advance these opportunities developing different metrics. So we're definitely involved in a number of different ways to advance this this arena. And then there's a lot of different partners that are working in a lot of different ways. And and it's going to take a lot. Uh, There's Uh there's definitely a very wide space and need for a lot of of work. You touched a little bit on policy. Can you talk some more about some of the key policy recommendations or changing that WWF is advocating for the promotion and adoption of climate smart agriculture? Sure. And there are things that are important to make happen here within the U.S. and then things that we need to see happen globally. So there's a big role for the Farm Bill in investing in research and continuing to invest in measurement and programs that can support adoption of climate smart practices, as well as broader regenerative practices. So making sure that the investment, the $20 billion in Inflation Reduction Act funding for climate smart agriculture is protected and kept in those programs that advance climate smart agriculture is really important. Seeing the Farm Bill continue to invest in programs like the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, in grassland conservation programs, in the Conservation Stewardship Program, a wide variety of programs like these are are really important to ensure that, and conservation technical assistance, very important to make sure that we can continue to advance and support farmers voluntarily adopt these, these practices continuing to support the research agencies that are really uh, advancing the agenda and that this is a real priority as they're advancing their work. But then also as we look, and then on the food loss and waste, continuing to make sure that there's real investment there and continuing to expand the diversity of programs that support state and local investments, work in schools, work at the farm level to reduce loss and then at the global level, that this is really a priority, the agriculture, climate smart agriculture, as well as specific aspects of climate smart agriculture, food loss and waste, livestock, addressing conversion, regenerative agriculture are incorporated into nationally determined contributions as countries move forward and making those commitments is a really important piece to support and help countries develop plans to, to advance that. And then just one additional piece that I'll point out science-based targets and that corporate private sector component that is a really important 
companion to what is being done on the public sector side is really important. That's something that WWF is doing a lot of work to help corporations make those commitments and then support that follow through. So how does WWF sit at all those tables? Like, how do you, how do you all manage that? You have people in different departments or, I mean, that's just, that's everybody everywhere, right? Yeah. It's being in a lot of places. It's a really amazing team. We're also very, you know, we're very fortunate that we have an amazing food and freshwater team that has a lot of experts that are able to contribute in a lot of these places, as well as, you know, our policy and government affairs team, the climate team, the forest team. There's just a whole range of, of experts. And that's WWF US. We also have the great opportunity to connect with our international team as well as country offices and a lot of different countries all around the world. So that amazing network is just an amazing resource. And so we can get stretched pretty thin and sometimes we get, you know, a little overstretched, but, and then a lot of partnerships, you know, those partnerships, as you mentioned before, we don't do anything by ourselves. It's through collaborations, it's through connecting to all of the other stakeholders that are involved in this, these really important objectives. So it's an amazing team here and connecting to a lot of stakeholders within the NGO community, within the agricultural community, within governments, within universities. It's, you know, it's a huge team effort. Wow. I love what you said earlier about how climate smart agriculture is part of bigger sustainability goals and and bigger things that happen. So I think as part of that, climate change can disproportionately affect vulnerable communities. How does climate smart ag address issues of equity and social justice in ag and food systems? And I think we might broaden that and just, you know, how does kind of sustainability do that, not just climate smart ag? Yeah, you know, it's it's such an important issue and it is so true and it is often overlooked in advancing climate smart and more broadly regenerative agriculture. It is so critical to ensure that we're looking to advance broader resilience. Um, and that's one of the real advantages of climate smart and regenerative agriculture is that it does improve overall resilience. It can diversify income streams, address issue, and it's very important to make sure that we're addressing issues like access to programs. And very important also to look at how this connects not just on individual farms, but can look at across landscapes, and then it can improve farm economics and community resilience, which is such an important piece. One thing I'll also point out is there's a real need and opportunity with climate smart agriculture to learn from indigenous traditional traditional ecological knowledge, which just provides a really important opportunity to advance conservation and climate goals, but is often overlooked. And then I think as we're advancing these opportunities, so important to pay attention to equity and access. And this really goes far beyond putting a certain percentage of funding into a set aside for historically underserved producers. It really requires understanding what kind of tailored outreach is needed and what roadblocks might limit access, such as land access issues or connectivity like broadband, ability to access matching funds or language barriers. There's just a lot of things that go beyond that that level piece. And also making sure, especially as I think about things here in the U.S., conservation programs are such an important part of advancing climate smart agriculture and conservation. But we need to look beyond those as well, you know, to build on what they can provide to look at 
what the safety net can do, what broader farm support programs can do to support resilience and climate smart adaptation to make sure they are reaching the full array of producers and the communities that they're in. Are there any unintended consequences that are possible or that you may have seen, especially around the kind of equity and social justice part of it? There can be. If we don't think about how to make sure that those programs are created so that the full range of producers can access them, that they're really open to that range. I think there can be a historical tendency to for those programs to be geared towards the producers that know how to access them, that have kind of gotten used to getting into those programs, the more mm. traditionally served producers and kinds of agriculture. And if we're thinking about how do we create resilient landscapes and advance the diversity of nutrition that we need to meet our nutritional needs, we need to be thinking far beyond that. And also just meeting the needs of the much more diverse producing population than I think was served previously. And so if we don't really think about how to how to structure programs differently, what kind of infrastructure is needed to make sure those those crops and, and products can get to market, what those landscapes need, I think we could have unintended consequences. Just like if you only focus on climate smart you could have unintended consequences for water or biodiversity or or other things. Are there any particular collaborators you'd like to or collaborations that you'd like to highlight that you're working with? Oh, there are so many, but I guess <laughs> one that I might highlight that has been very exciting. Again, I think I'll point to some work right in your your wheelhouse. There are about an estimated 10 million tons of specialty crops grown on farms every year that never get harvested or make it past the farm gate. And that's about a third of what what is grown. And this loss happens because of labor shortages, cosmetic imperfections, weather events and more. And it makes up about 16 percent of total U.S. food loss and waste. And so the WWF wants to know more about how this loss differs between various crops and understand the drivers. And so through some data-driven research and human-centered design, we hope to help overcome some of the barriers and challenges to get more of this food to people. So we've partnered with universities, including UC Davis, UC Santa Clara, and Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and some trade associations like the Global Cold Chain Alliance, that works on keeping perishable products safe and high quality as they move from farms across the supply chain. So we've been working with these folks and other companies and nonprofits and farmers and system thinkers and startups to figure out how can we make the most of what we grow. And this collaboration has led to the work of a whole series of projects and then reports called the No Food Left Behind series, which are just so cool and have so many lessons learned in them. And just a few of them include underutilized produce ripe for alternative markets, maximizing farm resources and edible food rescue, which is a specialty crop loss report. Can the gig economy rescue surplus food from farms and growers perspective on measuring fresh produce left in the field? And there's just 
so many farmer voices in these reports and lessons that are really ready to both continue be learned from, but also ready to scale. So that's been both a very exciting collaboration, but one that also just keeps growing and keeps giving. Yeah, that's great. Well, focusing on you for just a sec. So you've been in this role for about a year. What has surprised you about the organization or the impact or just what what is surprising than what you expected when you first came in? I guess I've just, I, I love it. It has been an amazing year. I love the breadth of the issues. You know, I've, before coming to WWF, I'd spent quite a number of years working on sustainable agriculture, but very focused on row crop production. And so just the opportunity to learn all about food loss and waste and grassland conversion and addressing that conversion and broader issues in sustainable protein, not just livestock, but also aquaculture, more in water risk. It's just been an unbelievable learning experience and building on that and this amazing team that I get to work with, the context at WWF of not just having the amazing WWF, U.S. team to tap into. And again, that's not just my amazing food and freshwater team, but being able to reach out into the forest team and the climate team and a whole bunch of other teams, but then also connecting into and learning from the on the ground experiences of the whole global network just has made learning about the global context of these things and ability to collaborate in those contexts just really eye-opening and very exciting. So I just, it's, it's been an amazing year. Oh, excellent. So my last question, what are you hopeful about as we move forward to combat climate change? Oh, you just have to be hopeful or (laughs) gosh, I don't know. It would be horribly depressing. So I think, you know, working in food and agriculture, we just have, such a tremendous opportunity to shape our production system and our, our food system to make such an enormous difference to address climate and restore natural resources and protect biodiversity while also nourishing people. And I, I just find that, I mean, it's daunting, but it's also so exciting because there's Mm -hmm. so much to be positive about and such an opportunity. Granted, the window to really make it all come together and avert really, really bad things is narrowing. But there's just, I think, so such great opportunities and such an amazing array of partners to do it with that I'm, I'm very excited and just remain hopeful. Well, I'm so glad we've got people like you making it happen. So thank you very much for being on the show. And I really appreciate all your insights. Thanks, Susie. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. That's it for today's episode of Fresh Takes on Tech. This entire season on Climate Smart Agriculture is funded in part by a grant from USDA for Climate Smart Commodities. See you next time.